We are New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. A community church in the city of Chicago, all over the city, for the good of the city. Right now, we are in the midst of our series, Not Alone. A series that focuses on how God created us to live in friendship and community. Wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. You are at the right place at the right time. It's beautiful to see everyone. Just look around. Don't you miss this? This, it's been such a long time, but yet, you know, we're still here. Thank God, praise God that we're here today. We can worship. The weather is nice. And we're going to continue to try to make the best that we can to adapt with this unusual time that we live in. If it's outside, if it's inside, if it's raining, if it's snowing, you know, we're going to make it with God's help. Amen? Amen? All right. So this is going to be a little bit challenging because my computer wants to restart to make some updates so i don't really know <laughs> so i gotta yes those yeah okay so anyway and then i can't see the lights but anyway we'll make it we'll make it we gotta adapt right so for the oh man i can't really see so for the past three weeks four weeks we have been going through a series called alone you know a series where we, we looked at we look at relationship in through the lens of friendship Right, and uh, so we started in Genesis two when we, with the statement when God said, "It is not good for men to be alone." So we went on from there. Then we uh, studied. We looked at good and bad relationship, friendships. Uh, we looked at the example of uh, Jonathan and David, and then Saul and David. Then we went further. Further last week, Pastor Galen talked about how to handle conflict in relationship. So. Now, so as we will look at, as we delve into those topics, we realize that, matter of fact, I want to welcome you as well, you're watching online, I'm really sorry, <laughs> just a lot of distraction last minute, so welcome, if you're watching us online, welcome as well. So, let me, where that, so as we delve into this uh, study on friendship, we realize that the foundation of everything that we'll be talking about is love, it's love. So without love, there's no relationship. There's no friendship. So today, we're going to talk about our greatest love. We're going to talk about love. We're going to dive deep, deeper into love. So, I want you to take a moment and think about the moment when you felt the most loved. Just take a moment. Think about it. The moment when you felt the most loved. What made you feel that way? I can guarantee you that you probably received something significant or you, uh, it was just something you, you, uh, you received a lot of attention, a significant level of attention. For the most part, we feel the most love when we receive something. So listen to this love story. So there was a man named Pradihumna Kumar Mahamandia. I hope I'm saying the name right, so forgive me if I'm bushing the name, okay? Uh, so he lived, this man lived in abject poverty because he was born into a social caste called the untouchable. He was not only poor, but he also experienced a lot of social stigma. So if you know a little bit about the, the caste system in India, you can, you can see what I'm talking about. But against all odds, 
Kumar was able to get into a college of art in Delhi. So this changed his life. So, but following one of his painting of uh, Mahama, uh, Indira Gandhi, he became famous. So now everyone wanted to be painted by him. And one of those people was Charlotte von Swedwin, who was traveling to India. So following this encounter, they soon fell in love. They got married. But unfortunately, Charlotte had to, uh, the name was Charlotte, yeah. Charlotte had to go back to, uh, to Sweden because she was from Sweden. She offered to pay Kumar's plane ticket so that they can go back together. But Kumar, too proud to be able to take something from the wife, said that he was going to work hard to pay for his own plane ticket. So she left. She left and wait for Kumar. So Kumar worked really hard for one whole year, but he couldn't save enough money to buy a plane ticket. So eventually, he just sold everything that he had. And he decided with the money that he had, he bought a bicycle. And with this bicycle, Kumar traveled. Kumar traveled for four months. He biked for four months and three weeks, covering over 6,000 miles. He went across Afghanistan, Iran, Turkey, Bulgaria, Yugoslavia, Germany, Australia, and Denmark to get to Sweden. Can you imagine? 40 years later, they were still married with kids living in Sweden. Kumar went on to become a well-known uh, artist and a cultural ambassador. So when asked about his arduous journey, he replied, I did what I had to do. I had no money, but I had to meet her. I was cycling for love, but I never lost cycling. It's that simple. And I can imagine that Charlotte, Charlotte felt loved. Amen? Amen? So everyone have this innate desire to be loved. I don't care who it is. Even the colder-hearted the, the, the colder person that you can think of have that same desire. But unfortunately, we go about it seeking love the wrong way. So I'm going to ask you to think about one person or the person that you think love you the most. We all have that in our heart. I think this person loves me more than this. So think about that person that you think actually loves you the most. Who is it? Is it your spouse? Is it your parents? Your sibling? Your best friend? Who do you think loves you the most? But what if I told you that there's someone who loves you even more than that person? I know you're probably like, duh, yes, we know the answer, man. It's Jesus, <laughs> right? But yeah, but do you really believe that? Do we really believe that? Oh, again, I'm going to ask, do we act like it? So, it's going to be a long day. So today we are going to talk about, we're going to see why Jesus, there's no greater love than the love of Jesus for us. Turn your Bible into uh, John 15, verse 9 to 17. You're going to have to forgive me. This has been a very, very stressful week, stressful night, uh, long, how do you call it, long nights. 
because my wife is not feeling well. So I had to kind of just do everything on the fly for the past few days. And uh, so we're gonna read. So as the father, so starting at verse nine, as the father has loved me, so I've loved you. Now, this is Jesus talking, by the way. So now, remain in my love. If you keep my command, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my father's command and remained in his love. Next. I've told you this so that, you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friend if you do what I command. I no longer call you servant because a servant does not know his master business. Instead, I've called you friend. For everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last long. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. You see, this passage that we just read is so rich that as I was preparing for this message, there are so many truth, nuggets of truth in this passage that we could be here for two days just try to unpack everything, all the, all the, 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 the everything that is in this uh, passage. So we're not going to try to unpack everything. We're going to focus on certain part of the pack, uh, passage. So if you go back to the scripture, Jesus started on verse 9 by saying, just as my father has loved me. The word as, it's a very, very powerful statement that Jesus is making. Jesus is saying that just the same way as his father loved him, he loved you with the same type of love. This is an astonishing statement. So Jesus is pretty much saying that he loves you just like his father loved him. So I know, just, just think about the magnitude of that statement. And it, it's, it's kind of hard to understand. So what we're going to do here to try to grasp that better is that we're going to try to understand first the love of the father for Jesus. And then we may be able to better understand the love of Jesus for us. So, so imagine a husband and a wife who have been married for more than 50 years. I see a couple here, a beautiful couple who's getting close to that. I think, what, 30 years? <laughs> How long have you guys been married, Daniel and Becky? <laughs> 36 years. <laughs> right? <laughs> close, yeah, 36 years. So they're getting close to 50. So just imagine a couple that have been married for that long, for 50 years. You can just imagine and we see Daniel and Becky, like they, they can, you know, like they can literally probably finish each other's sentence just with, with, uh, with just one look. You know, so the level of closeness and intimacy, it's so high that, uh, you know, they're able to just uh, do things that people who don't know each other or love each other cannot do. So if after 50 years, two people who are married or who live together can have this level of intimacy, what would it be like after a couple thousand years? 
you know? So this is just to give you an idea of the type of relationship that Jesus had with his father. For eternity past, they lived together in total unity. They worked together in perfect harmony. They experienced ultimate glory together. So imagine the degree of love, the closeness, intimacy of their relationship. Honestly, I don't think we can. Because our human mind are not made to be able to understand this kind of, uh, understand this. So you see, but God didn't just leave that into our own imagination. Because if you remember when Jesus got baptized, the Bible tells us that God the Father said the following word. In, uh, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Here we see the Father declaring his love and delight for his Son, Jesus Christ. We see a similar scene when Jesus was transfigured in, uh, in the high mountain in front of the disciple. Then again, the Father said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And that's my prayer for us today, that we listen to him, that we listen to Jesus. So this word and also an echo of Matthew 12, where Matthew quoted Isaiah 42.1, where he referenced Jesus by saying, Behold, my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, whom my soul is, in whom my soul is well pleased. So we see here the Father going out of his way, to declare how much he satisfied, how much he loved Jesus. This is not just self-sacrificial love. This is, uh, but it's also self-fulfilling, a delightful love. When God sees Jesus, he soars delight in him, in him. When he looks at his son, he enjoys and admires and cherishes and relish what he sees. So, John Piper puts it this way. Since the Son is the image of God, and the reflection of God, and the stamp of God, and the form of God, equals with God, and indeed is God, therefore God's delight in the Son is delight in Himself. So now, don't miss this. Because you was made in God's image. Just think about it. Let it sink in. Because you were made in God's image. God love Jesus want to love you with the same type of love that God the Father loved him. This is really profound. Because I don't know if you see the correlation. God loved the Son. And we are made in the image of God back in Genesis. Therefore, like Pastor Galen liked to say, therefore, Jesus loves us just like the Father loved him. This is not just a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. And I know it can be hard to believe. And I know it's almost like Danielle, my wife, telling me that she loves me as much as she loves some random person that she went to school with in high school. I'll be like, no, 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 you better love me more, right? Not with everything that we've been together. This is not, this is not what we, uh, you, you know what I mean? This is not what we're used to. This is not what we, this is not normal to us. But this is what Jesus wants us to take away today. So let's look at a couple other verses where Jesus speaks about the Father's love for him. John 5, 20 says, 
The Father loved the Son and showed him all, uh, showed him all that he himself is doing. John 3.35 says, The Father loved the Son and has given all things into his hands. You don't give everything into, uh, in the hand of somebody unless you really love and trust that person. So, so now that we have a better understanding of the kind of love that God the Father has for Jesus Christ, let's now look at this astonishing statement that Jesus made when he says that he loves us with that same type of love. And look at practical way when Jesus, how Jesus demonstrated that love. So, brothers and sisters, Christ's love for you is so exceptional that there's nothing else like it. There's no relationship. It is the most relationship there is in your life. It's more important than any other human relationship that you have. Because no one else can remotely love you as much as Jesus Christ loves you. No one else. Not even if you have to travel 6,000 miles to go see your loved one. You know, that compare, it's, it, it, it is no comparison with the love of Jesus Christ. And he loved you so much that he promised that he would never leave you nor forsake you. That love is so transforming that Paul, the Apostle Paul, prayed that all family on earth and in heaven will experience it. Did you know that there were family in heaven? Listen to this. Ephesians 3, 14 to, uh, 14 to 19. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family on, in heaven and on earth de derive its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and in your inner being. For so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep the love of Christ. And know that this love, and know this love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Man, these are some really powerful words. Paul wants you to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ for you. And I pray today that you and your family will experience that love that Paul is talking about. That you will experience that, that love that surpasses all understanding. So let's now see some practical way how Jesus loved us. Jesus loved us so much that he accepted to humble himself and humiliate himself to become a man. He left his glorious throne to, to be born as a baby in the lowest class of mankind in human society. Jesus and Mary were not rich. Matter of fact, as you probably know, Jesus was born in a stable and he was laying in a manger. Can you imagine you yourself decided to be born, to be laid in a manger? Can you, can you even spend a night, one night? Just imagine you spending one night in a, in a stable with all the smell and the manure, just one night, you know. But yet, he made that decision and he chose to be born there. And I can tell you, even if he would have been born in a castle, that would not have changed anything to the level of humility 
that was for him, leaving his heavenly throne to come on earth. So it didn't matter to him where he was born. So it just, it's almost like you deciding to give up your human body to become a skunk. You know, or it's almost like the Queen Elizabeth decided to leave Buckingham Palace to come live here in West uh, Inglewood, for example. You know, can you imagine the level? Can, just imagine that. Imagine Queen Elizabeth leaving Buckingham Palace and come live here in the West Side. Just imagine that. It just gives you an idea, just a glimpse of what Christ had to let go to become a man, to save us. So Jesus loved us so much that he traded his divine form to take on human body for eternity. Yes, Jesus right now in heaven still have a human body. You know? So he didn't only take it to come on earth and then give it back when he went to heaven. So is, this is almost also like you deciding to trade your human body and to become a skunk and remain a skunk for your rest of your eternity. Like, why would anybody do that if it's not for love? Right? So please, I'm going to ask you to help me preach here. So every time I'm going to say, why would Jesus do that? I want you to say, because he loves me. Why would Jesus do that? Because he loves me. Amen. You who's watching too, can you join us? Why would Jesus do that? I see you. Amen. Amen. So Jesus loved you so much that he voluntarily died on the cross. A horrible death of his time, the worst death of his time, just to save you. After being tortured, ridiculed, spared by the very own people that he created and that he came to save, he was crucified. Just imagine your own sibling or your own child throwing you under the bus. You know, you can just start to see how Jesus, how betrayal to Jesus fell. And the worst part is that the Bible tells us that he who knew no sin becomes sin for us. So Jesus, the perfect, sinless man, was crucified like the worst criminal of his time, like we sang this morning. Why would Jesus do that? Why would Jesus do that? Amen. Let's continue to use our imagination because I believe that it will help us grasp how wide, how deep, how long is the love of Christ for us. Revelation 13, 8 tells us that Jesus was crucified even before the Lamb of God was slain before the creation of the world. So I can just imagine being a fly in the wall during that conversation that took place between God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? So just imagine you being there at that moment. So I can see God the Father saying something like this. At some point in time, these people will, will, be need, to, uh, will need to be redeemed. And unfortunately, one of us will have to trade their glorious state, go down there, and get a mortal body, and die for them. And before he could even finish his sentence, I imagine Jesus just jumping and say, I'll go and I'll die for them. Why would Jesus do that? Because he loves me. That's right. It wasn't because he wanted to be some type of hero or superhero. Because he was already more than that. After all, he created the universe. Jesus did it because even though, he, even though you were not conceived yet, he already knew you. He already loved you. And he already chosen you. And he wanted you to share in his glory. So when it comes to sacrifices, to Christ's sacrifice, the first thing that usually comes to our mind 
is dead on the cross, and rightfully so. However, we don't realize the price that that decision had on Christ's life. My friend, the waiting room can be one of the worst places to be in. So, many of you here know, I think I'm probably just going to get out of the book. It's just, I can't read the sun. It's just, it's kind of, I'm going to try to just continue with the message. So, just, let's forget the notes. Just continue, man. It's distracting, yeah. So, God help me. So, many of you here know that I became a born-again believer in Jesus Christ when I, was, when I was in jail, when I was in prison. So, that's another testimony for a whole other day. If we start talking about it, we'll be here for, for maybe another two or three hours. And I know you guys have some places to go, right? So, but I remember leaving the courtroom after the judge gave, a, gave that sentence. I remember that it was almost like, man, my life was stopped. I couldn't, I had, to, I had a week, I had to get one week to get all my affairs in order and turn myself in. So during that one week, it's almost as if I was already in jail. I was free, but all I could think about was that moment when I was going to, uh, when I had to turn myself in. Like everything, every decision that I did at that moment just had that, you know, was influenced by the fact that in one week, I'll be gone. So I can, I can imagine that Jesus was not a stranger to this because the Bible tells us that from the beginning of time, Christ already, the, the, the decision was already made that he had to die for our sin. He had to die and save us. So he knew that fact and he knew perfectly well how much it was going to hurt him. It's not like us sometimes we don't know the pain until we actually experience the pain. Jesus, God knows everything. So Jesus knew the amplitude of this moment. So, and, and one place that we can go to give us a better understanding of this is going looking at the time leading up to his death in the Garden of Gethsemane. There are many accounts in the Bible where different, uh, different writers give us a different perspective. You know, some of them, like in Matthew, I think it's Matthew 26, uh, can we have it in the scripture? When Jesus was praying, he went with his, uh, he went with, with, uh, with his disciple and he says this, then Jesus went with his disciples at a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not my will, but your will. So that's one account of Jesus going to God. Let's, let's look at uh, another account, the account of Mark. How Mark uh, recalls Jesus. And, and uh, think about it. Jesus didn't make this prayer only one time. He prayed the same prayer three times just to tell you how much he wanted to avoid this. So he said, Mark, Mark 14, 36 says, Jesus said, Abba. This is like a sign of affection. Like, man, like they're connected. It's called Abba, Father. Like, Father, Father. He said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Right? So now let's look at Luke. How Luke recorded one of the prayer. This is what Jesus said again. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. 
yet not my will, but your will be done. And the Bible said that an angel from heaven appeared appear to him and strengthened him. And begin, uh, and begin in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drop of blood falling to the ground. So uh, imagine, even after an angel, he prayed, an angel appeared to him to strengthen him. The Bible said that he, he didn't stop. He prayed even more earnestly to the point where he started sweating blood. What is that telling you? It's telling you that Jesus really dreaded that moment. He didn't want to go through it. But he said the key word, Father, not my will, but your will be done. So why would Jesus do that? Why would he persevere? I can't hear you. Why would Jesus do that? Because he loves me. Yes, he continued. He persevered. He could have given up. He could have changed plan. After all, he's God. He, could have, he had all the time in the world. The decision was made before even time was created. He could have found another alternative, right? But yet, he persevered. Why? Because he loves you. And because he wants to save you. And the Bible says that as he did that, he became, he was obedient to his father will because he always say father not my will but your will be done okay let me see so I don't miss anything so now for this reason I, I hope that by now you're starting to have an idea of how much Christ had to go through what he had to give you know for you I remember when I was when I had to turn myself in, all kind of thought went through my mind. I thought about actually not going, like running and living as a fugitive. You know, you got to understand one thing. As an immigrant, I was facing deportation. And I knew that if I, when I, if I go back, when I go back, I'll be convicted. I'll be deported back to my home country. And I will lose everything that I try to build here. And most importantly, my family. And the time I had Lindsay. So that broke, that broke my heart. But I knew that was the price that most likely I was, because there was no other alternative until God showed up. And that's the only reason why I'm sitting here today speaking to you, because God showed up and nothing else. But I had to go through the process, but all those thoughts come to mind. So I'm sure at some point in time in history, Jesus thought like, man, you know what? Let me come up with another plan. But it was like, nope, we got to go through this. I got to show these people how much I love them. And I'm sure he did that just an example for you to see the price that it costs. God doesn't want you to have a love that is, that is convenient. He wants you to have a love that costs you. So let's, let's, look at, uh, verse, uh, let's look at verse 14. He also did that because he wanted you to be a, his friend. So let's look at verse 14. Verse 14 says that you are my friend if you do what I command you. I no longer call you servant or slave. That's actually the exact translation, bond servant at the time. I no longer call you servant because a servant does not know his master business. Instead, I have called you friend for everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. Right? So, you see, Jesus didn't want to just save a bunch of people just because he wanted people to rule over. Right? 
Jesus saved us because he wanted to, he wanted us to bring us into this perfect love, right? That you were, you know, because he knew that you were created to experience meaningful and perfect love. And only Jesus can give you that love. You, we can go, we can do whatever we want. No human being can ever fulfill that need. And we got that need met through Jesus Christ. So if you don't have Jesus, then you will never going to experience that, that, that depth, that truth that you were made for. So for this reason, for everything that Christ has done for us, worship him, love him, because no one else is going to worship him for you. No one else is going to love him back for you. So Jesus is asking you here, abide in me, remain in my love. Can, you, can we go to verse, uh, to verse 10? Because Jesus said, abide in me. If you remain in my word and my word remain in you, whatever you... Uh, no, verse 10. Okay, don't, don't, don't worry about it. Okay, yeah, I got it. I can see. So Jesus said, if you keep my command, you will remain in me. You will remain in my love. If you fast forward to verse 14, it say, Jesus said the same thing where we just read. You are my friend if you do my, my command. You see, Jesus is not asking us to do something that he himself did not do. He followed his father's commands. For Jesus, that's what love is. Love is not that warm feeling that we think we feel. For Jesus, Jesus said, hey, you love me? If you follow my command, just as I follow my father's commands, I want you to follow my commands. Just as my father loves you, I want you to love me. Are you tracking with me? So, this is my commands. Before even we get there. So you may ask that, what command are you talking about? There's just so many commands, like, that should not this and that, you know. They, they can, it can seem to be overwhelming, like, okay, which one should I follow? Which one should I not follow? Which one should I do? So Jesus wants to make it simple. So he gave us a super simple command to remember. Because initially he said, follow my commands. But then after he said, this is my command. The first one is plural, and the second one is singular. Then he said, this is my command, with singular. Let me read, so I don't paraphrase. That you love one another as I love you. So uh, that one, I think, was the plural. And the singular, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that you love one another. And then he continued by saying, there's no greater love than this, that one laying down his life for his friends. So Jesus is telling us that the easy way to remember is just to love one another. Love your neighbor like yourself. You remember he was asked what is the greatest command? He said the first one is love your father, uh, God, with all your heart, mind, and soul. The second one, he said just like it. Jesus liked this, those us. You know, just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus is telling you here that his command, if you want to remember all this command, just love somebody else like you love yourself and here jesus is talking to his disciple he's talking to you he's talking to christian anyone who called himself a follower of christ jesus this passage is talking to such people so god is asking us jesus is asking us to love one another to love that brother that other christian that you can stand because he hold this political leaning that you don't that you despise. Feel like, how can he do that? I don't know. But Jesus is telling you, love him. 
This, I'm not, I'm not, this is what Jesus said, love one another. He's talking to Christians. He didn't say just love some Christians and then love one And he, there's another scripture that says that this, this is how we, they will know that you are my disciple, by the love that they have for one another. So this is timely. We, we talked about it so many times during this time of political divide and social, uh, you know, like with coronavirus and just so many different positions that people are having, try to wrestle with all this last year and a half or two that have been just so crazy. Jesus wants to remind us that we are supposed to love one another. With what kind of love? A self-sacrificial love. He said, there's no greater love than this, that no one lay down his life for his friend. And Jesus said, just as I love you, you know, just love me, love your neighbor the same way. Jesus wants you to love your neighbor the same way. He wants you to love that Christian, he wants you to love your neighbor to the point of death. I mean, because that's how it died. That's the example that it set for us, you know. I'm not asking you to go die for somebody if God didn't tell you so. But what I'm saying is that he wants you to have a love that costs. It's going to cost you. It's going to make you uncomfortable. He's asking you to, 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 to help out that person, even to the point where to help out that person that you see struggling. You know, it may mean that you got to cut off something that you have that you would enjoy. He's, Jesus is coming into our comfort. He's not calling us into a comfortable Christianity. This is a Christianity that cost, it cost him his life. So he's asking us to love the same way. And in doing so, he's calling us into one of the most amazing things that exists in this, in all creation. The Trinity, the union of the Trinity. He's calling us into that love. So that we can be a part of that love. That he experienced with the Father. So that as you love, as the Father loved Jesus, Jesus loved the Father. So as Jesus loved you, must you love Jesus? And as Jesus loved you, must you love your neighbor? So once we start doing that, then we actually are into that thing that has existed, that, that perfect union that have always existed, that perfect union. So that, that's, that's our way into that, that, to experience that. And as we do that, Jesus said what? That ask of anything in my name and it will be given to you. I don't know some people have turned that in Jesus' name into like a magic formula. I can just do any prayer and just slap in Jesus' name at the end and it will be done. And then we wonder, but God, don't worry, say that, ask anything in my name and you should receive it. It's in verse 7. Uh, let's read, let's read uh, verse 7. So this is what must happen. And we can talk about it more for this to happen. Jesus said, if you remain in me and my word remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciple. You see, God wants to answer your prayer. God wants to answer your prayer. But there are some prerequisites before he answers your prayer in Jesus' name. I know some people have been praying, God, heal me. In Jesus, God, you be like, God, I prayed in Jesus' name that for that job or to be healed or for that spouse, you know, or for a revival, but nothing is happening. What is going on? God, the world said that I've been praying in Jesus' name. It is not a magic formula, brothers and sisters. We have to meet those prerequisites. His word, we must remain in him, and his word must remain in us, as he says. And then, 
He said, ask anything that you will in my name, it shall be done. And think about it. The moment when you start doing that, the moment where Jesus' word abides in you, you know, he, uh, I think I skipped that one. The moment that Jesus' love abides in you, what happens? You start praying selfish prayer. Why? Because when you start doing that, he changes, he changes your heart, right? The moment when, so yeah, I'm going to ask you this. So let me just take this. So let's, so let's just pause a moment and just think about what Jesus is saying here. We have two definitions of love. Jesus gave us his definition of love, right? And we have our definition of love. So let's think about how do we love Jesus? Do we love him based on our definition of love? Or do we love him based on his definition of love? That's very critical as we proceed. So when you love Jesus based on his definition of love, he fills you with his joy. And then your joy is complete. Who doesn't want to have joy? I know I do. So when you choose to respond with joy, we choose to respond to external circumstances with inner contentment and satisfaction because we know that God will use this experience, no matter what they are, to accomplish his purpose through our life. When we choose to love based on Jesus' love, he makes us fruitful. And biblical fruitfulness means reproduce. In other words, multiply what God gave you. God desires spiritually productive Christians. Those who don't obey him are like wordless branches. And the scriptures, the scriptures says that they are good only to be thrown into the fire. When you love Jesus based on the definition of love, he calls you his friends. And he said that anything that you ask the Father, it will be given to you. So as you start doing that, as you start loving based on those things, as his friends, you become his confident. He says that as his friends, you start knowing about the master business. As his friend, you start knowing his purpose. As his friend, your heart become, his heart becomes your heart gradually. Just like Corey was saying earlier, what we fast is not to twist God's arm. It's so that he can conform, our will can be conformed to his will. So as, as, we, as, as, as we obey those words, God starts changing our heart. All of a sudden, we start delight with what delights in what delights God delights in. All of a sudden, our hearts start breaking for what breaks God's heart. All of a sudden, His business becomes our business. His purpose becomes our purpose. And all of a sudden, our prayers are not selfish prayers anymore. And then, God, whatever we pray... In Jesus' name, God the Father will answer because it will be aligned with the will of the Father. And because God the Father wants you, He wants you as Jesus' disciple. When you are, when, when, when you're doing good, He is glorified. He is glorified. God's got glory in you being productive. So that's very important. So Jesus said this in, uh, yeah, I think we read this already. So in conclusion, so we're going to try to close in today. As we bring this message to an end, Jesus wants to bring us into 
one of the best things that ever existed before even creation. And he wants us to enjoy our to enjoy that closeness, that love, that astonishing love, that 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 amazing love, that him, that indescribable love that him and the Father have together. He wants to bring into it. But there is a price. Just as Jesus had a price, had to sacrifice to get into it. He's asking us as well to sacrifice to get into that. It's only then that we'll be able to experience this abundant life. It's only then that we'll be able to experience this life, not just here on earth, but also in the next life. And that is why Jesus went on to the cross. That is why Jesus never sh- and ran away from the cross. Because he knew that was the only way by him coming and showing you, giving you that example. Showing you how much he loved you. It could have been a bunch of stories that you read. We have a lot of other religions who have such story of hero. But there's none that could be traced that we can see like the story of Jesus. The level of sacrifice that he did. So he decided to come here to show you an example. And show you something that you must follow. So you don't think that it's impossible. So today I'm going to be talking to two groups of people as we close. The first group of people is those who don't know this Jesus that we're talking about. So if you're here today and you don't know this Jesus that we're talking about, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to remind you, I'm going to tell you that Jesus is calling you today. Jesus has chosen you before even the foundation of the earth. And he's calling you today. So how are you going to answer that call today? Are you going to abide in that love? Are you going to run to him? To the love of your soul? To the one who wants to to, to give you all good things? And if your heart is beating right now, if you haven't experienced that before, if you haven't experienced that inner love, that inner peace, that inner sense of, if you, if you long for that, if you long for having a group friend, there are some people who are struggling with relationships, especially during this time of COVID, uh, friendship. There are some people who are, it's, I'm, I'm challenging you, try Jesus. He's the best friend that you can ever have. A better friend than even your best friend. So if you don't know him, It's just simple. You can know him right now. All you have to do is pray a simple prayer. Again, the power is not in the prayer. The power is in the person that we're praying to, which is Jesus. You can pray a simple prayer and then you will become his son, his friend. So follow after me if you want to pray this prayer. Say something like this. Lord Jesus... I recognize that I'm a sinner that have sinned and fallen short of your glory. So today, I want to remain in your love. I want to know you. I want you to become my Lord and Savior. I want you to come in my heart and take me, change me, fashion me into your own image and likeness. Lord Jesus, I want you to reveal yourself to me. Take control of my life. I I, I, I recognize that you came and died for my sin. And today, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. If you prayed something like that, the Bible says that you become a born-again believer. 
And then you can start experiencing that love that Jesus is talking about. The other group of people that I want to talk about is those who already know Jesus. Those who are Christian. When you read the scripture, the whole verses, telling you earlier that Jesus is talking to Christian. Because he started by saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. So, that means those branches are already part of the vine. They're already part of Jesus. And if go further by saying that if a branch that does not bear fruit will be cut off, wither and thrown into the fire. So that means cut off meanwhile, you are already part of the tree. They were already part of the tree. And they are cut off and thrown into the fire. So Jesus is talking to some of the disciples that may fall away if you don't bear any fruits. So it's critical that as believers, we are fruitful, spiritually fruitful. We can't just remain like this because we have a threat of being cutting away. So I want to talk to second group of person is, you know, like it's, if you find yourself in that spiritual in the place of spiritual unfruitfulness, where you have not seen any fruit in your work for a long time, I want to ask you, seek, abide in this love. Follow Jesus' command. Listen to his word. Get into his word. Run to him. Pray to him. Do whatever you can. When you find such an amazing love, you have to do everything that is in your power to actually keep it. So I'm going to ask you today, if you find yourself in, in, in that situation, please, the worst thing that there is, is you knowing Christ and falling away from him. That's the worst thing that can be for anybody Worse than someone who never even knew Christ. So today I'm going to ask each of us to just do a self-analysis before we even get into communion. Just do a self, an intro, introspective analysis. Do you love Jesus based on his definition of love? Or do you love Jesus based on your definition of love? And as you answer that question, and we all, we all have fallen short of the glory. I know I haven't loved him based on his definition. So just ask God to forgive you, to cleanse you, even as you pray. Ask him to cleanse you, to forgive you, to cleanse you, to bring you into that love. Into that amazing love. So that you can abide into that love. So that you can experience it. So that it can be real to you. So that is not just a story. And that's my prayer for us here at New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. That we will be characterized by the statement that we should love one another as Christ loves us. That is my prayer for us today. You have been listening to New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. If you have been blessed by this message, please let us know. Now go and live a new life.